You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. We're uh, continuing in our uh, series of What's the Point? Um, identifying uh, mitzvah by mitzvah uh, in the Jewish tradition, um, uh, primarily focused on mitzvot, on commands uh, that uh, are still applicable and relevant today, that we still practice. Uh, it doesn't uh, seem to make sense to, to spend too much time thinking about what's the point of things that are no longer uh, in practice, but w- w- what's the reason um, to have been commanded uh, uh, certain commandments? Um, what's what is the what's the reason the Torah gives uh, uh, certain things, especially in in context where the Torah doesn't give its own reasons? Sometimes the Torah gives its own reasons, and and often it doesn't. And uh, sometimes where the Torah doesn't give reasons, it's because the reasoning for any kind of rational person would be fairly clear. You know, a classic example would be. Uh, you, you, know, you should not uh, kidnap, right? Uh, or you should not commit murder. Um, uh, but uh, but there are some instances in which uh, a reason is not given, and the re- and the rationale for the commandment is not self-evident. Uh, so we've been looking at some of those, uh, and uh, roughly hewing for um, no reason other than you know um, top you know, topic topicality, uh, hewing closely to the weekly Torah portion and, and pulling out um, a, a mitzvah from, from those Torah portions. Uh, and this week is Korach, which deals a lot with, uh, uh, with the, the rights and the responsibilities of, uh, of the priesthood and the Levitical class, um, which was one of uh, uh, Korach's uh, and his followers' objections about uh, who got to be the high priest and what the role of the uh, Levites were, etc. Um, so I want to look at that in, in a second. The book we're using, the book we have been using, is uh, once again called Sefer Achinuch, which means the Book of Education. Uh, it was written in the 13th century uh, in Barcelona anonymously. Uh, um, and uh, what it does is it uh, compiles um, uh, the, 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 essentially the legal opinions of, of the time, compiles the commentaries of the Bible, the, the, uh, the Mishnah, the Talmud, uh, and the early codes of law, um, and uh, takes each mitzvah, counts the 613 mitzvot, commandments in the Torah, uh, one by one, and talks about what's involved in each of those mitzvot. And I think most importantly for our conversation, um, uh, gives a, a paragraph or two of, uh, uh, of the author's opinion for the reasoning behind that mitzvah, what, why it is that we were given the mitzvah. Okay, so what I wanted to look at today, um, uh, found in our Torah portion this week, is the mitzvah of, uh, of the tithe. Um, which means that um, if you live in the land of Israel and uh, you grow crops, you're a farmer, you're, you're a livestock breeder, whatever it is, um, 10% of the yield of your harvest uh, is uh, supposed to be given to the Levites. Um, that's after um, a certain percentage, and you have a, a, a range to choose from. Um, but a certain percentage of your uh, of your crop um, is uh, given to the priests first. That's called truma, um, which means a gift. 
Um, so a, a certain percentage of your crop is first given to the priest, and then after you've given that percentage over to the priest, you give maaser, which is a tithe, a tenth of your crop that goes to uh, that goes to the, the Levites. Okay, so let's just take one second and break that down. Um, there, uh, just to like start from scratch. So there were uh, um, twelve sons of Jacob. 12 tribes of Israel. Um, uh, one of the sons of Jacob was named uh, uh, Levi. Uh, his descendants are singled out in the Torah as, uh, as being the ones who will uh, serve in the, uh, in the Mishkan, in the portable uh, sanctuary that we had in the, in the desert. Uh, and then later in the in the Beit Hamikdash in the temple that we had in Jerusalem, so the Levites are the ones who um, who perform who do the uh, maintenance and upkeep of the of the temple and of the tabernacle, uh, and were also um, involved liturgically. They were uh, um, they they were the backup singers uh, in the in the temple service. But why? Why are they there? Okay, so that's a question we're going to get to in a second. Um, uh, but uh, um, uh, but just for the time being, let's just say that uh, um, that that they were chosen for whatever reason. Uh, and uh, from Levi, um, there was a specific family uh, that was designated as Kohanim, um, which was a uh, higher level, uh, or maybe I should not say higher, a different level. Of, uh, of of service in the temple, the kohanim, the priests, were the ones that would um, uh, be involved um, in officiating the sacrificial systems. So the Levites sort of took care of the physical plant um, and the singing, and the priests took care of all the uh, shechting and burning. Um, uh, so th- that was the division. The priests were, were again one family from Levi. Um, the descendants of uh, Aaron and uh, and and his children are supposed to be the priests. Um, uh, if you remember uh, from from the Torah, um, uh, Aaron and Moses are are brothers, right? Uh, but Moses, uh, not being uh, not being Aaron or one of his descendants, is is just a regular old Levite, a Levi, uh, and uh, Aaron is the is the Kohen, um, and all the other Levim, all the other Levites are are. are why why did Moses have children? Why did he have children? Did he? Oh, he he, yes, children. he had children. He had two children. Well, why were they not singled out? Uh, that is an, they don't have uh, very large roles in the Torah at all. Um, they're, they're barely mentioned. Um, and it's, uh, it, it's hard to know exactly why. It's just a, only speculation. Was there um, any, was it because his wife was not necessarily a Jew? Uh, well, I mean, Aaron's wife, I think, was a... Uh, um, Moses' wife was a Midianite. Yeah. I don't think that that's the reason. If you ask me, I think that the reason is uh, because um, uh, Moses didn't have time for his kids. Um, they were neglected. They were neglected. They, they, you know, they, they, they probably didn't grow... He was too busy taking care of uh, all, all the people and their needs. Aaron could 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 raise, could cultivate, could train his children. Uh, Moses, if, 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 uh, this is all speculation because the Torah doesn't say. Um, this is all midrash, right? But the but I think that that Moshe um, um, was was too busy doing other things. He didn't have try, time to train his kids, and so um, so his kids therefore weren't the natural successors 
to 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 Moshe. Um, but uh, but it's anybody's guess. It's um, a lesson for rabbis and cantors. It is a lesson for rabbis and cantors, I think, um, which is why I read it that way. Right. Um, but uh, um, you know, it's, it's an it's it, whatever the answer is. It's an argument from silence because we don't uh, we, we we don't know in the Torah. Um, uh, so. Okay, so that's so that that's that's uh, what the relative roles of the of the Levim and the Kohanim were. Uh, just one other quick thing. So when the Levites were singled out um, as uh, the the officiants in the in the temple, they were basically taken out of the roster of the twelve tribes. And so what happens is the the, the Levites are taken out of the roster of the twelve tribes, and uh, in order to make there be twelve, Joseph was split into two based on his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. So that's how you get back up to the number 12. And the Levites aren't considered one of the 12 tribes uh, um, uh, after that, um, which means that they are not given, this is relevant to what we're going to talk about, they're not given a portion of land in the land of Israel. They're not given their own uh, uh, property. Um, uh, their their job um, is to be uh, uh, totally propertyless, totally devoted to the service of the temple, um, and uh, and you know it's uh, it, in some senses it's a uh, privilege, in some senses it's a burden. Right? They they don't have a say in the matter, right? So if you're a Levite, whether you want to or not, you're going to be working in the temple. Uh, unless you have some kind of you know physical defect or something like that that prohibits you from doing it, but whether you want to or not, you're going to be working in the temple. Um, so that's their that's their role. That's their responsibility. They don't have land of their own. So that's relevant to what we're doing. So, so the so in, because they don't have land of their own, um, uh, the the Torah commands that the rest of the Jewish people take from their land and give uh, um, a, a portion of it to the Levites, so they'll have uh, they'll have food to eat. Right, so they give ten uh, percent to the to the uh, Levim after they give a certain percentage to the Kohanim, um, which the Kohanim they give is for the, for a similar reason, um, uh, and then this is called Maaser Rishon, the first tithe. Um, each year has uh, has essentially three tithes. Okay, the first tithe is for the priests. This, um, but it's not called tithe; it's called Truma. The second tithe, which is called the first tithe, is for the Levites. And then after that um, is called is depending on the year it alternates years is either maaser sheni or maaser ani. Maaser sheni is an additional tenth that's taken after uh, after you're given to the priests and Levites. An additional tenth that you have to take and eat in Jerusalem. Um, you could also sell it uh, in your own land and take the money with you to Jerusalem and buy food there. Um, that was maaser sheni. Um, uh, and Maaser Ani uh, is, means the poor man's tithe. Uh, so that was an, an alternating year. So instead of taking the, the, that additional 10% to Jerusalem that year and eating it yourself and your family, you would, uh, you would give it to the poor. Um, so it was only after the um, Kohanim and the Levi'im were taken care of Correct. that you could enjoy the fruits of your labors in Jerusalem and give to the poor. I would the poor was not the poor was not first. Not first. Yeah. Um, the, um, you know, so the, 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 the Levites were considered and the priests were considered needy in that sense because they didn't have their own oh. property. Um, and they had the additional 
um, urgency of being um, uh, devoted to, to God's service, right? So, um, so you, you give to them first because they're in need of it and because what they're doing is really important. Um, but, uh, but yeah, right, so it shows you where the priorities are um, in, the, in the system. Um, and that's, and that's really ultimately what we're talking about here, you know, so, um, uh, uh, this is a system of taxation, you know, if, if for, for lack of a better word, it's a system of taxation. And so it goes to show you that, that, uh, that, that taxes and the, and the, and the redistribution of property, which ultimately is what this is, um, is a, is a moral question, um, and is a question of values, right? Uh, um, uh, budgetary concerns for a society are, are, are questions of, of morals and of values. Um, so, uh, so that's really what we're dealing with here. Okay. So here's, here's where it goes, the root of the commandments. And this touches on the question that you asked Ralph about why the, the Levites. Okay. So here's what Sefer Achinoch says at the bottom of 144 or 145 in the English, but I'll read in the Hebrew. Uh, so the root of this command, um, because uh, the tribe of Levi, God had uh, uh, had singled out, had chosen from among his brothers to serve God always in the in the temple. Um, and so therefore God had compassion on them uh, to give to them uh, um, uh, um, uh, uh, sustenance in an honorable way. Because that's the way you should, uh, you should uh, do with the, the servants of the king. Right? So it's imagining the Levites... Um, is you know like it's one of these SAT analogies, right? The the Levites are to God what a uh, what what a like a palace steward is to the king, right? Um, and so uh, that's what uh, that's what you would do um, to show the palace stewards the kind of honor that they're due and to give them the the um, uh, what they need in order to survive. Um, so the, the 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 presumption is that th- these are important jobs. Um, okay, that that uh, that when if you had a palace steward, that the provisions, that their food would be set forth for them uh, by others that would have prepared it for them. Uh, and they would have to, they would have no need to exert any effort um, in uh, in in obtaining it. Zulati uh, right? They would only have to focus on uh, serving the beloved king. Right? That, so basically, what it's saying is uh, that when there are certain jobs that are uh, that are given preference and priority in society um, as a as a statement of values, uh, they should be supported as such, so that the people who are doing those jobs don't have to worry about things. So I think, I mean, I, what what got me thinking uh, in in this regard. Um, I mean, first of all, it, it, I mean, this is a selfish portion of it, but it got me thinking that, that, uh, that, that, that were we as a society to value religious leadership, uh, not just as a Jewish community, um, uh, but that, that's one way of uh, focusing the conversation, if the Jewish community were to value its religious leadership, its, its, its rabbis and its cantors, um, the, the, the way in which we would um, organize the system would be, I think, totally different. Um, it, it, it's true that in some rabbinic and cantorial jobs, uh, the, the pay is good. Uh, but the pay, it turns out, is not commensurate anymore with, uh, with the cost, it, uh, it, 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 with the cost of, uh, of rabbinic and cantorial education. 
Um, and so it means that, um, um, that, that rabbis and cantors um, uh, um, can only uh, really uh, tr- do everything they can um, to pursue um, not, uh, not the jobs where they'll have the most impact, but the highest paying jobs because it's the only way they could justify um, uh, having uh, the, uh, the, the level and expense of education that they had. Um, and, uh, and, and to a certain degree can't spend all their time, uh, you know, focusing on the needs of their community because they have to focus on making sure their bills and their student loans and things like that are paid. Um, uh, so th- that's a, that, I mean, that's, a, that's true of any job, right? Um, but it's a question of what a community or what a society, uh, uh values and prioritizes and where the community's resources go. Yeah. You know, the, the society is in general, and I believe that this thing is coming up for a test, um, American society has said that um, we will give a break to ministers because of, uh, in tax law yeah. through parsonage right. allowance. Um, and that is, in my estimation, actually a, a mingling of church and state. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you don't know what that is, that means that the the property once that the church owned to house the the pastor, minister, mm-hmm. whatever, was not taxed mm-hmm. by the community, just as the church was not taxed, the property on that, you know. Harzai doesn't pay taxes to the township of, of Lower Marion. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, the rental value of the home I live in or that the, the rabbi lives in is... Um, is that portion of the income that goes to live there is not taxed. So I'm just saying there's a small caveat to right. what you're saying. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing is alacha kama vakama, anybody entering Jewish education, that's uh, you know, even more difficult. Uh, that, that's right, that's right. And I was going to uh, add on to that, uh, not just in the Jewish world, but education in general, right? Uh, you know, so, you know, we, we, we our, our, our best minds go through uh, uh, college and maybe graduate school. Um, at, at a tremendous amount of expense um, to take jobs that never enable them to pay back that expense, uh, you know, and uh, and uh, so it's it's not surprising that the best minds go to. Uh, finance, law, right, uh, where, where they perceive that they're going to uh, uh, make lots so more money uh, to justify some, yeah. Somebody who's a, I saw, I heard of, uh, some, somebody who's a CEO of a uh, of a major nonprofit organization will make a fraction in his or her lifetime of a person who's working in finance field, right. and. It's said you could do more good by working in the finance field and giving a small portion of your money. Um, so yeah, right. Uh, so it's, it's Charlie. Go ahead. Yeah, no, why, go ahead. Did, why did you? Th- why do you think it's going to be coming up as a test? Mm-hmm. Oh, because I, I've heard about it. Oh, because parsonage. Um, parsonage. Because there's a there's wow. there's a there's a drive to raise uh, to raise revenues Wherever. without raising taxes, yeah. um, and uh, uh, and you know to to solve budget gaps. And so they want to close. You know, there's all the talk of you know closing tax loopholes and 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 uh, and and you know deductions and things like that. So this is one of them that uh, that's frequently on the chopping block. The other one um, is. Uh, um, uh, uh, um, uh, charitable donation tax deductions um, is is also for si- for similar reasons I think, but uh, you know the, the mingling of church and state issue with parsonage is an interesting one. I you know I I never really thought about it that way because um, the 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 establishment clause in the Constitution says that they can't, that, the, that the that the government can't pick and choose religions, um, but uh, but 
all religious leaders are uh, have access to parsonage equally. Um, but anyway, uh, it's but yeah, it's uh, it's but it but it is I think related to this question, right? And I think that that the the, the impetus for the parsonage law. Um, uh, is is rooted in the same kind of values, right? That that we should, um, if we if we value religious leadership, we should help um, uh, take care of them, fi- take care of religious leaders financially, uh, so that they can uh, focus on um, uh, on doing God's work, right? So they can focus on on, on uh, um, you know comforting the mourner and uh, um, and uh, helping to resolve. Uh, um, social issues and uh, whatever the needs are of their particular communities and, and the particular environment that they live in um, uh, and not have to not have to necessarily worry about like how am I going to make ends meet this month right and then have to you know work take a, a second job at McDonald's in order to, to do it um, um, so it's a, it's a uh, it's I don't know I, I haven't really been following it in the Christian world but I know it's a growing problem in the Jewish world um, I, I don't know what the expense of, uh, of uh, um, uh, pastoral education is in, in the in, in the Christian world. Uh, in the Jewish world, it's a very hefty expense. Uh, it used to be that uh, that it was uh, that it was free until about the somewhere in the seventies. Um, at least rabbinic education was. I don't know about cantorial. Education. Yeah, I don't remember it being very impactful. Yeah. I mean, uh, so much of it was covered by scholarship. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, that. And I and I and I think that's interesting that today it's probably. And it is not now. Right. In other words, making a correction for. Inflation and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, what I believe to be true is that the the cost is just much more high, much much, much, much higher, higher than a scholarship would cover. Words, right, the people are coming up sure. with huge loans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right, so so the the question that uh, that Maser I think urges is um, is is what does the community value, and mm-hmm. and will it put uh, its resources behind those values in order to make sure that the that the that uh, that, that the the values, the work that needs to get done, ultimately is able to get done in the best and most efficient way possible? Um, so that I think is is the the the, the impulse behind uh, behind Maser. The Afalp continues. The so even though there are actually twelve tribes, so it's, it's the the tide is a is a ten percent tide. So um, uh, they're actually getting more than they uh, than they're due because they should get there should be uh, 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 have a right to one in to a one in twelve part just like everybody else, but they actually get a one in ten part, which is a which is a bonus. Um, right, so it's a, it's a matter of, uh, of of glorifying them or digni- uh, um, honoring them. Uh, because this is really, I think, a powerful statement. Um, uh, because uh, um, by virtue of uh, of working in the king, uh, by excuse me, by virtue of working in the king's house, um, uh, it's it's fitting that uh, that their portion should be more uh, than everybody else. Right? And so it's uh, uh, so the the, the um, uh, the, um, the the remainder, the great remainder of it, uh, is what uh, um, comes from the uh, tenth portion, the clean tenth portion that comes from uh, um, uh, what comes out of the ground. My misreading of that uh, verse, just uh, not that verse, that sentence, just a second ago, um, but I think it's it's worth putting in this misread into the conversation is not that uh, they, they should be worthy of an additional portion. 
because of their work in the in the king's palace, but rather by virtue of their working in the king's palace, they enable everybody else to have additional portions. Right? Um, there's there's, there's uh, that, uh, that 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 people's um, 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 spiritual and emotional um, religious needs um, uh, can be taken care of. The channels between the people and God can be kept open. Um, I don't think that, that the Levites have a close, closer connection to God, but they help keep the pathways open uh, for people to, 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 to reach and connect to God. So that's a real value added for the community, especially in an environment where people thought that there was a direct relationship between um, uh, how, how open the connection was to God um, and, uh, and how much you were going to yield in your harvest. Um, so it has even more, but even if you don't believe that, um, uh, there's, I think, still a tremendous value added by the work that, uh, that the religious leaders do. So, um, uh, so that's uh, so that's the the reason that's uh, given for uh, for for uh, why the uh, why the Levites. Now, the the question that Ralph asks uh, for why the Levites get the tithe. Now, the question that Ralph asks about uh, about why the Levites are selected um, uh, in in general. Um, so here's what he says. Uh, uh, you don't have this, but uh, but I do. Um, it, earlier in uh, Korach is the law about the Levites in general. Okay, and he says the following: At the root of the precept lies the reason that it is to the glory of the king and the place that there should be the place meaning the 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 temple that there should be certain people from uh, there from the certain known tribe permanently appointed to minister and an outsider should not enter among them for the service in keeping with the practice of royalty on earth they appoint known honorable men that all the work of the palace should be done by them in other words there's never a question about uh, about you know um uh, personnel issues you never have to worry about like filling a role and uh and uh there there are certain uh there are certain groups of people or families that are perceived to be more dignified uh, uh more apt for uh for that kind of service um, um by the way uh, the, the, there's there's no problem with having a problem with this it's one of the reasons that uh in the reform world and in much of the conservative world now we've essentially done away with uh the distinctions between Kohen Levi and Israel because we 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 don't like uh, a um uh what do you call it? it's not a meritocracy what's the opposite of that uh, an oligarchy i guess uh um uh um uh, uh um, anyway, a, a society in which uh, um, uh, preference and jobs are given uh, by virtue of birth rather than by virtue of merit. Right? So there's the, it's okay to have a problem with this, but this is the re- about yichus. Yichus, yeah, good. Um, <laughs> Um, so, uh, um, but anyway, but this is, this is, I think, the, the root of it. They appoint known honorable men that all the work of the palace should be done by them. For it is not fitting for a king that he should change the ministering servants before him every day, and that all should thus make use of the crown of, of ministry to the king. This is something quite clear. You know, uh, when I read that uh, uh, the other day when I was, when I was studying this, um, it struck me that um, that that, that um, is an argument um, for um, for uh, clergy consistency, uh, clergy consistency, uh, to to um, to have uh, to, in, a, in in a synagogue in a church um, to, uh, to to not be uh, constantly having uh, uh, personnel turnover um, in, in in the clergy roles. Um, that there's something that that people come to religion looking for um, a, a degree of of of, uh, of stability in their life. Um, there's something kind of um, 
um, inherently undignified in, in institution in, in the process of firing and hiring. Uh, you can do it in a very nice way, in a very dignified way, but there's something um, uh, about the, the turnover process um, that, that, uh, that, that, uh, that uh, um, shows, that reflects um, uh, um, uh, communal imperfections. Um, and there's something, you know, having just done it, I mean, there's something... Um, it's it's very hard um, to uh, transition into a new job in a fully dignified way, um, and also it's hard to transition out of a job in a fully dignified way, um, right? And so so all of that means that, uh, um, and we've seen both sides of that. So it's, um, and lots of communities have. Um, so there's something to be said for the system that the that the Torah lays out of having you know it's 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 one group of people, um, they, they're self regenerating. Um, you know who it's going to be that's uh, that's cleaning the light bulbs and uh, and and singing in the choir, you know, day in day out. You may not always like their voice, but it's good that you know that they're there, um, and uh, and and you form a long lasting relationship with them. They form a long lasting relationship with you um, because they they are uh, there for a long time. Um, they don't have to constantly campaign, right? They can uh, they you know for a job they can they can care about. They're not looking outside for like the next best thing, right? Um, that, uh, uh, that they care about. So that, uh, I was talking to my friend who's a, a Unitarian minister, and they have a system that's kind of like this, that you get uh, uh, um, essentially elected, after you're in a congregation for a couple of years, you get elected by the congregation to be, I don't remember the terminology, but the, the um, you, I think they call it called. You get called to be the minister. Um, and once you get called by a congregation to be the minister, um, you're the minister there for life, uh, unless you, for some reason, um, want to go somewhere else for, uh, and there are certain valid reasons to want to go somewhere else that the that the organization lets you do. Um, you know, uh, the in in the Catholic world, it kind of works like this too. Sometimes. Uh, to not good effect, but uh, but but often to very good effect in the Catholic world that people are in their par- are in their parishes or in their dioceses um, for very long periods of time, um, and it's very good for the parish. It's very good for the diocese to, to have that kind of long standing relationship with the with the uh, with the priest. Um, uh, it used to be like that in the Jewish world, um, and still in some segments of the Jewish world, it's like that. And there's you know there, there are downsides to it too, obviously. Um, but there is, I think, something to be said for the system that the Torah presents. Um, so why the Levites specifically, um, as opposed to, say, the Reubenites or the Gadites, um, uh, I don't know, um, other than to say that, uh, that I don't think that it was... The way I look at the Torah, I, I think that, um, that they had always sort of functioned in that role um, they were just they were a, they were a, a, a tribe of people that had that had uh, that that were just um, more religiously involved than others, and so uh, sort of naturally stepped into the roles of uh, being involved in the temple. They projected back that God right when when the Torah was written in a lot of ways by them. Um, they projected back. Oh, well, God chose us to do this. Um, okay, you know maybe God did, maybe God didn't. Uh, but uh, um, but I, I think that, uh, that that it was probably more um, their projection onto the history than uh, an accurate reflection of the history itself. Um, they but, certainly felt more of a commitment. Yes. As a tribe, I think. And um, weren't they responsible for putting up and taking down the uh, the whole uh, ark? Yes. The, the, through the, the desert. Yes. It was the tribe of Levi 
Right. And um, where they encamped was in a certain around place. The, around the tabernacle. The, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it has... Some right. History. Right. So they had right. They had rules of guarding the temple. They had rules of schlepping it around. Right. Um, they had uh, and and then when when the temple was established in Jerusalem, I mean, they were, you know, in a lot of ways, they were the defenders of the faith. Mm-hmm. Right. When when uh, when the temple was destroyed and the uh, and, and the the royalty uh, got carried off into exile in Babylonia, among them were many of the Levites, uh, and and they were the ones. Who, along with some of the royalty of Judah, um, uh, kept the tradition alive, um, and I think kept the tradition alive for as long as the temple was in Jerusalem too. Despite lots of uh, um, outside forces that were, you know, kind of nipping at the the heels of of, of Judaism, trying to, uh, um, well, you know, maybe not fair to say trying to bring it down, but uh, but making arguments for other practices and religious traditions. Right, the the Levites. In a lot of ways, in some of the same ways that the rabbis later on um, are the reason that we're here, um, the Levites, I think, are, are have a large role in that too. Um, so, you know, whether you know why it was them in the first place is a hard question to answer. But the fact that there was one people who it was in their blood, right? It was you know in their mother's milk. It was what they're raised on from a child that like this is your job, this is your purpose in life. Um, was a really good thing for the Jews, um, and we probably wouldn't have survived the way we did without it. How did they manage to avoid the corruption that um, happened among the priestly class? Yeah, they didn't. They, they, it, it plagued them too. Um, you know, so that's the downside of this kind of system where you have uh, where you have yichus, right? Uh, in Israel, they call it protexia, right? Um, uh, the, the the downside of it is that uh, it, you can it can be prone to corruption because you're, if you're never up for uh, for job review, right? If you don't ever have to campaign for a new job, this is the argument that we have about like whether you should have term limits or not term limits in uh, in in public office. Uh, the argument against term limits is that you know when you're campaigning every two years. Um, y- it sort of warps who you are. You can't do work. You know. On the other hand, if you don't campaign at all, um, then uh, then then you're you can out. do you know all sorts of shady backroom deals and no and there's no uh, accountability, right? Uh, so that's uh, so that's that there's no perfect system, um, and certainly this system was not perfect. Uh, well, progressive taxation has always been based upon uh, the ability to pay. Uh, Graduated taxation is, is the same kind of thing. Right. Uh, if you earn only X amount of dollars, you pay it at a less rate than the man who, had, who is uh, making more money than that. Right. And I think that's what this was the first manifestation of <coughs> the recognition of that principle. Right, right. Although, you know, it's. Ten percent to somebody who makes a thousand dollars a year is is different than ten percent to somebody who makes a million dollars a year. Well, that's but right. yeah. uh, but I think that it's it's it's. But that's what they're saying. Right, right. Saying the ability to pay will determine the amount of tax that. Right. Yeah. And uh, so. Interesting. How applicable this is okay. to. Yeah. Now, I, I think so too. It's also, you know, the, there are some religious traditions. The Mormons are, uh, um, and some Christian denominations, uh, other Christian denominations, I should say, um, uh, still have a culture of tithing. You know, so a culture of giving uh, at least ten percent 
um, of what you of of what you make to the church. Um, we don't really have that as much in the Jewish. I mean, some people give more than ten percent. Um, some people give much much less. And um, you know, so it's a it's it's an interesting thing. You know, at what point in the Jewish tradition, sometime in exile, I assume, because it was only considered to be relevant in the land of Israel, um, that this uh, um, culture of tithing got lost. Um, and, uh, and something we don't do anymore. Um, all right, we'll end there today. Have a great day, everybody. Quick question. See you next week.